Chapter 13 of Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Packard of Western Colorado. Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them by Hereward Carrington. Chapter 13 Telepathy. Telepathy mind-reading, thought-reading, thought-transference, are all terms meaning very much the same thing, namely, the ability to impress the mind of another person with a definite thought or thoughts, without traveling through the usual avenues of sense. The word telepathy was coined by Mr. F. W. H. Myers in 1882, and is derived from two Greek words, tele, at a distance, and pathos, feeling and means literally sensing at a distance. From this it has come to mean thought-reading, in general, as we now understand it. How Telepathy Operates How telepathy takes place we cannot yet say with certainty. Some scientific men, such as Sir William Crookes, are inclined to believe that vibrations in the ether travel from brain to brain, very much like the messages in wireless telegraphy. Others, on the contrary, contend that this explanation is insufficient and that we have no proof that such brain waves exist. As Mr. Myers expressed it, life has the power of manifesting itself to life, and this is as far as we can go as yet by way of scientific explanation of the facts. It is almost certainly true that telepathy takes place not between the conscious minds of two individuals, but by way of the subconscious that vast field which we described in chapter 4, the subconscious, so that if a message is sent from one conscious mind to another, it would travel in rather a roundabout fashion as follows, from the conscious to the subconscious mind of A, from that to the subconscious mind of B, and from the subconscious mind to the conscious mind of B. In B, the process by which it was conveyed from the subconscious to the ordinary mind would be that of externalization, so frequently seen in dreams, crystal gazing, and other phenomena. This fully explains to us why it is that we frequently receive telepathic messages at the moment we are falling to sleep, or at least appear to do so. We may have received the message an hour or two before this, but its externalization was impossible until the ordinary consciousness ceased to be so active with the affairs of the day. And then the subconscious mind had a chance to deliver its message, received some time before from some distant mind. The Various Kinds of Telepathic Messages Telepathic messages may be visual, in which case they take the form of pictures, figures, written or printed words, etc. They may be auditory, in which case they take the form of spoken words. They may be emotional, in which case the subject may feel a particular depression or excitement. They may be volitional, in which case the subject is seized with the imperative desire to perform a certain action, etc. Telepathic messages may originate either in the living or in the dead, as they are transmitted from the subconscious mind, perhaps under the supervision and direction of the conscious mind, they are often transmitted most effectually during sleep, trance, under the influence of some drug, in delirium, at the moment of death, etc. These messages 
are most easily received at such times when the conscious mind is asleep or in abeyance and for this reason we have so-called visions of the dying ecstasy trance speaking and revelation etc telepathy from spirits it is probably true that spirits converse with one another directly by means of telepathy though they understand fully the thought of the other as though the sentence had been fully spoken swedenborg tells us that this is the case and that the telepathic thoughts sent out by a spirit appear to other spirits or to mediums in trance as clear and sonorous as spoken words if spirits in the flesh can converse at times with one another by means of telepathy and if disembodied spirits converse with one another by this means it is only natural to suppose that this is frequently the method of communication resorted to between embodied and disembodied spirits and all trance mediums know that this is in fact the case the larger meanings and applications of telepathy will be discussed more fully in the chapter devoted to prayer etc practical experiments in telepathy the following practical exercises will enable you to prove to your own satisfaction that telepathy exists and that it can be reduced to a more or less simple process by continued practice select a friend with whom you are in sympathy physically mentally and morally one of you must be the sender or transmitter the other the receiver or recipient let us suppose for a moment that you are the transmitter the recipient should be seated in a comfortable chair at one end of a fairly large room which must be freely ventilated it is best that at least during the early experiments he should be blindfolded or that he close his eyes or sit with his back to you pencil in hand and pad on knee he should sit in a semi-darkened part of the room for your part you should sit at a table facing him that is his back with a pad of paper and pencil before you have a bright light thrown on the pad of paper leaving the rest of the room in semi-darkness now draw upon the paper a symbol perhaps a geometric figure such as a triangle circle square etc look at this figure intently and endeavor to impress it on the recipient you should not make each trial exceed one minute in length how to ensure success the attitude of mind which you hold during these experiments is very important you should will that your recipient should see the picture presented to him yet you should not strain yourself in the attempt and wrinkling your brows tensing the muscles etc will not add to the certainty with which your picture is conveyed rather the reverse on the other hand you should have complete confidence in the fact that he will get the impression you are sending him never allow yourself for a moment to believe that you will fail say to yourself that he has already succeeded in receiving it do not allow yourself to become flustered or worried or anxious imagine your thoughts traveling to him in a definite form either in the shape of the object itself or in the word square circle etc though in that case you must be careful that you do not unconsciously whisper the word so that he hears it the recipient on his part should make his mind as blank as possible and note down any pictures or impressions that come to him no matter how wild they may appear above all you must not be discouraged by early non-successes for these you must expect more complicated experiments 
After you have succeeded with the diagrams, you may try more complicated pictures, such as playing cards, which are very good for this purpose, as the deck may be shuffled between each draw, and it is easy to calculate the percentage of guesses, since chance would always be 51 to 1 against the subject hitting upon the correct card by accident. After these experiments, you may try some in the transference of pain. Prick yourself lightly in various parts of the body with a sharp needle, or pinch yourself and see whether the subject can locate the pain correctly on himself. If he is a good subject, he will do so in very many instances, as though the pain were transferred directly to him and you were pricking or pinching him. Next you may try a number of experiments in smell and taste. Procure a number of substances, such as cloves, nutmeg, pepper, sugar, etc., and smell or taste these in turn, being careful that you are far enough removed from your subject to prevent him from smelling these in the usual way. Many good subjects can tell immediately the substance you are putting into your mouth the instant you placed it there. After you have succeeded this far, you should try to increase the distance between you until you can perform the same feats though miles apart. How to prevent evil influences from affecting you? These simple experiments will prove to you and to the skeptic the existence of telepathy. They will render you more sensitive to the reception of messages from distant living minds, and also messages from the discarnate. In this way you will cultivate your sensitiveness to messages of this character, and this will be beneficial to you provided that you do not carry these practices too far and cultivate your sensitiveness unduly in wrong directions. Under normal, healthy conditions, your mind will not be affected by impressions of this character, since it will be most difficult for you to receive them, as a rule, no matter how hard you may try. The mind always protects itself against too easy access by outside minds. It is very rare indeed that subjects are impressed against their will. Some persons, it is true, believe that others at a distance are influencing them in this manner, and impressing them to do certain things. Many believe that they are hypnotized, etc., but in nearly all cases these beliefs are illusory. They have no foundation in fact. When examined, they are found to rest wholly in the imagination of the subject, and they are frequently but the indications of an unbalanced mind. This does not mean that such persons are necessarily insane, but they would become so were they to dwell upon their imagined grievance long enough, and believe in it after they have been shown repeatedly that such was not the true case. It is this persistent will to believe in a thing which is not true that is one of the causes of insanity. The student who practices telepathy within reason, and who has followed the instructions contained in the early chapters of this book as regards fortifying and protecting his own inner nature, need have no fear that telepathic influences or impressions from others will ever affect him against his own will. In nearly all cases, these so-called influences are imaginary. And even should they exist, the subject who has mustered himself and who has strengthened his soul from within is capable of overcoming and repulsing any outside forces of this character and of preventing any telepathic influence ever reaching him, no matter whether it comes from the living or from the dead. End of chapter 13 Recording by Michael Packard of Western Colorado